is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be The backdrop. It's crazy to all, see how. All the Gary V shows I've watched, I kind of get smelled up. <laughs> yo. yo. How's yo. it going? Cool. Going well. How are you doing? Where You're in Atlanta right now, boy? Yeah, there's uh, some crazy hurricane type weather. All the, a lot of the flights in New York this morning got pushed back and canceled, so I'm actually going to fly to New York this evening. Damn, but yeah, I'm at the air. I'm at the airport right now. What's up, man? Two days ago. Mike, we're not interested you in your travel logistics. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was saying, I, saw, I just saw you two days ago. I'm, I'm, here. I'm here, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yo, I'm excited that everyone finally able to meet. Uh, yeah. So is everyone in the room? Everyone's in the room. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a few things like straight up right off the bat that I think you know, Gary. And uh, Anik should talk about like growing up immigrant community, uh, similar to you, Gary. You know, one bedroom, a lot of people sharing that room. Like similar, like there's a lot of similarities. Bangladesh, right? Know, yeah. That you guys could maybe like build off of, and then also like the music. So the Kite Kite Project, he's really like telling his story, like talking about Queens, New York, but also like you know he has like his sister on the intro and takes you through the borough and really telling his story and it's such an important time for like the immigrant story in general just with what's going on with america so it's like he's really like shaping up to have this he already has a good following but it's like really looking like it might go crazy and then the other thing that i think is really interesting is he did an interview with uh beats one recently and was one of the things he said was you know for a while he was looking at himself like they're looking at the goal like as if it was a kite or whatever, like Madison Square Garden's the goal, but then he started to like look at it more as like who's helped steering that kite. So it's almost like reverse engineering and now he's focusing more on like the people who are bringing him there and getting him there and like his base and his community. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool and along the lines of a lot of the stuff you're talking about. So I'm excited you guys are meeting right now. Thanks, Boyd. Well, it's awesome to meet you guys. Yeah. Real pleasure. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure. So, you know, talking about reverse engineering, like knowing that you have a little context, you know, I think what's most always interesting to me, and I'm, I know that you guys have a sense that Boyd and I are meeting with a lot of artists, and it's really a very simple model. I just basically trust Boyd implicitly, and then it becomes a game of like, how do I bring disproportionate value? And then the chips fall, you know, karma is practical, right? That's really kind of how I think about it, and so, you know, would love to know in the short term or long term if there's anything I can help with. Um, and then answer anything that might be on your mind. And that's, that's kind of like, it's really quite simple at, for me, right? Like I just feel like obviously music and specifically hip hop music is so culturally important to me and it's why I associate with it because whether it's India or Russia or, or in the African American communities, it's all the same story of the rising up, right? And so, um, would love to know if there's anything that pops, you know, especially if you have that much context. I mean, like, anything I can help with, or any, I'd love to know a little bit more about the story or how it's going or the state of the union of where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, I make music and I've been, uh, I've recently dropped the project Kites, and like Boyd was saying, it's, uh, it's like a perspective, an aerial perspective of what's important to me now. And how many projects have you dropped? Uh, 
two. Two. Yeah. And the first one. Your first full length. Yeah, this is my first full length. The first one was called I Don't Know Yet, and I was going through like a lot of imagery shit. Yep. And it's called I Don't Know Yet because I didn't really. Because <laughs> you didn't know yet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yep. So I don't really consider that like. I get it. First off. It's a good name for a first project. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, um, so Kai. And when was that? That was in 2015, mm-hmm. I believe. So, and how many? It was a mixtape. Yeah. How many songs? Uh, like seven. Uh, I have a lot of travel this week, so I'm going to listen to everything this week. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Awesome. Start with Kites. I will. So, Kites. But you know what's funny? Like, I get it, and like, I go through it. Like, I think about my books or my talks. Uh-huh. There's still so much good stuff in the first, you know. To, first of all, the first thing with me with hip hop is I don't actually really think I understand music very well. Mm-hmm. The reason I think I resonate so much with hip hop is I only care about the words. I'm almost in like poem and like reading mentality. Like to me, the artists I most associate with, there's nothing to do with beats or the hook, nothing. It's 100% the words, the analogies, like, or just like clever cultural you know, references that make me laugh. You know, I'm, I still think I love 21 Savage because he mentioned Randy the Macho Man Savage. I'm not even sure there was anything else. What are you listening to? You know, I'm listening to a lot, uh, I, I mean, so what's funny about the way I listen, so I'm listening to a lot of older Nas right now, hey. weirdly enough. Um, that shit, Gary, Yeah, it's super interesting. Boyd's feeding me a lot of good stuff, like a lot of female vocalists are, are super interesting to me. And then like, you know, like Cardi, like I, I like seeing like why, I love analyzing why, mm. right? Like to me, I'm a really good at reverse engineering. So like watching whether it's, you know, what Coach K's trying to do with his artists. And like, will it work? Like, what happens when you, like, I grew up when P Diddy was like, okay, now it's Mace, right? Now it's this. And like, trying to figure out, like, even when you have, so I have all the marketing leverage. Mm -hmm. When I lose or win in 20 years from now, there's a reason why, even when you have all the leverage, certain artists don't win. Right. Right, you can put them on, they can like, they can show up on every right track. Mm-hmm. You can put $20 million behind them. They could be in rap caviar. Why don't they win? So a lot of what I do with music is more of like trying to figure out why things organically win. When can you make something win when it wouldn't have won without you? And why you lose when the machine tried to put everything behind you? <clears throat> Well, you should talk about how you had like offers from record labels when you had I don't know yet, right? Yeah, no. And you it was, decided it was, like, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely before. Like, I had. Before we do that, yeah. Who are you? Who are you, who's everybody in the crew? Okay. You're the artist that I understand. Has <laughs> publicist slash branding agent. Um, and how do you guys connect? Oh. So that, that's where it kind of like, we had sparring was me and Dominic, the manager. I said, I tweeted at Anik after I saw him live because that's when he won me over. Sure. Kind of heard about him as like, as like this singer that was like mixing. And what do you do? Uh, I'm publicist, so I do a lot for of mu- for. Oh, I'm a music publicist, yeah. That's understood. What I do. Music publicist. So. so you're living your life, you, you've heard a little bit, you see him live, you're like, now I, now yeah. I believe. Yeah. And hit him up, okay? Yeah. Tweeted at him yep. and then we connected. And yep. then it took a couple of meetings and we finally decided to work together. Understood. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so I co-manage Unique um, and we I heard his song two years ago before the first project. I don't know yet. And just on SoundCloud or Spotify? Yeah, just on SoundCloud. And immediately, you know, I realized... Connected. That, yes, exactly. And you, you had aspirations to manage at this point? Yes. Did you manage anybody at this point? No, I was... But it was in the back of your mind. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it was in the back of my mind, and I knew I wanted to work with him specifically because he was bridging. But before you heard that song, yeah, you're sitting in your room in your life. You thought about managing artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was involved. I, I knew, I've known Mike through college radio. I did radio at NYU, and then I was a writer for different publications and stuff like that. Around hip hop? Yes, yes. Like Complex and Understood. Complex and stuff like that. Understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you co-manage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Darvick, kind of like for a while, he was kind of like the young whiz kid in New York hip hop scene <laughs> a little bit. And then like Amanda, actually, I've, I've been wanting you to meet Amanda for a while, yeah, yeah. and I think I don't know if she's still doing this, but she was involved. And similar things to like what Vayner would do like with brands and marketing and stuff like that too. Understood. Our story's kind of funny. So um, I used to rap, and that's how we met. Um, and I actually connected them to, and I was like, y'all need to speak. Um, I run a digital agency now, but I work with Anika on a whole bunch of stuff. I love it. Digital, but yeah, so we've all kind of been. What's the name of your company? Uh, Green Room Creative. Awesome, man, good yeah, for you. I'm, you know, I, I follow things religiously that you do, but also you know, with this guy, you know, getting him to be social on social and, and, and really leveraging the I get narrative, it. you know, is, is what we've been working on. Um, Dave, you know, I mean, the team is strong, so, you know, we, we know that. It's just about getting to the next level. Awesome. Yeah, man. Um, I guess... Oh, this is Amanda. Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, sorry. How are you? What are you talking about? Uber driver, help. How are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. Amanda, nice to meet you. Such a pleasure. Here, take this. Are you sure? I'm positive. Nope. It's not how we do it. (laughs) Okay. Understood. Okay, let's go back to it now. Yeah, um, so Kites, it's obviously, it's like a aerial perspective of who I think I am now. Um, How old are you? 28. You look great. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, before I used to think like, oh, what's the biggest thing I want? Like setting up Madison Square and all of this stuff, right? And like it was completely focused on the kite. Of course. Now what's more important to me are the people staring at it and the people like are waiting to be there when I fall so then they can, you know, put me back up. Of course. It's kind of like a soundtrack to Queens from like Queens Plaza to Jamaica Ave, right? Um, and everything in between. Um, and that's kind of like what I just recently released. When did it come out? In April. In April. Yeah, like two Have we met before? I don't believe so, actually. Okay. Um, cool. But yeah, so just the way your there. face turned, I was like, wait a minute, we didn't. <laughs> okay, no worries. And then um, a couple, like two months later, I had my first headline show, which was wild. Where was that? Rough trade, Brooklyn. I've, ne- I've first of all, I've never had a show like I've never. I get it. A show headliner, and with no opener, we sold out. And how many peeps? Two hundred fifty capacity room. We sold out awesome. before. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. It was over. Well, it was over. It was like six He trying to look. I'm gonna take all my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a 90 person guest list on top of 200. It's really cool. Three, bro. There was the num the top thing. Yep. Know, 50, any. Felt great. Yeah, man. It was it was wild. It was like uh, I've never seen people recite my music like that. Right. And I don't I don't fuck up on stage. But that day I fucked up. Because you were just blown I away by it? In. Your mind started veering I, into I, that. I, like, I get it. You guys know all the songs. <laughs> Why? I, I, it, it, I get it. It didn't make me, I didn't understand. I understand. And then right after I went on, on my first national tour with Jadena, he was kind enough to put me in there with him. Yeah. It was a really dope experience. And uh, I've been back for a couple weeks and I'm like about to put on some merch. Uh, I got some for you. I partnered with three businesses in Queens that I think make the flavors of my music. And uh, basically, like this North African halal food cart, um, it's also Middle Eastern, um, which is kind of like that flavor. Also, with this West Indian restaurant called Trin City Roti, which is kind of like the 
West Indian and South Asian flavor that I have in my music, and then just the hood Chinese spot, which is <laughs> fucking those Chinese. I love it. Um, and it's like all three of those, and I got the menus in the front and their shit in the back. Like they're they're like I went to one like you know when you go to those hole in the walls, and I was like, yo, I don't like merch that much because I don't like like I don't I wear like plain stuff and I don't wear stuff with like stuff on it. It's like what would I wear? Because if I'm gonna make merch, I gotta. A hundred percent. You know. So I, I went. I was like just eating at Trin City, and I was like, yo, that shirt is fire. Like I just, <laughs> you know those like kind of corny ass like. Mm-hmm. like their address, biggest shit, mm-hmm. bag with the, the phone number, the fucking phone number, and uh-huh. everything, and I'm like, that's my merch. That's fucking. Genius. That's cool. I just don't know. I like it. Part with them, and and but just made it more like, you know, kind of like my style, and we kind of played on made in Bangladesh because all the motherfuckers who go and take advantage of my people, of course, do all this shit. Like I actually custom tailored these every single piece in Bangladesh with the you know the lines with my boy Feeks who manufactured them. And uh, there's like a lot of layers to like everything that I essentially put out because you know Bangladesh hasn't really been represented in this environment at all. Yep, at all. Um, That's yeah. really cool. So I'm doing. The What's your story? Boyd's been dying for us to connect. Has <laughs> he? Yes. <laughs> you know how long ago? I, you know how I met Boyd. My brother was working for Society, that clothing brand that was really big yeah. for a while. My brother's three years younger than me, and Boyd was helping them with stuff. And we literally, I was with the owner, this dude Brendan and my brother driving around Queens, picking up merch for, for, for like we needed like sample stuff. And he had some of it and he like walked, they like stopped by his house, he walked into the car. And we like connected and never spoke for like two years and then we ran into each other or something like, oh! And since then we've been like just trying to make all the things connect where we can for each other. It's really random. My brother works in real estate and insurance now. <laughs> I love it. Is that, is that how you saw it, Boyd? <laughs> so yeah, it's um, yeah. I had it on view, but yeah, um, it's been pretty epic. It, don't, it, that's what we met, right? In a car. Yeah, I think I jumped in the car, didn't I? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> sounds... I'm always running down the street and jumping in cars. <laughs> it's, been, it's been working out. Get it how you live. <laughs> yeah. Well, what can I, what can I answer, if anything? Anybody have any questions? Yeah. Um, like obviously. You're really good at like, you know, looking at things from short term, then also looking at things from long term, and I guess like. Long term, super easy, my man. Yeah. It just comes down to one very, very simple thing: legacy versus currency. It's that basic. Okay. It you're just making decisions on an everyday basis about two things: the kite up and down to Boyd's part. The only reason I think. I'm a little bit different and people are understanding it is because I have an unbelievably weird relationship with money and stuff, which is I don't like them. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Every decision I make is predicated on my legacy. All of them. I've never made a decision for money in my entire life, even when I didn't have it. Even like I needed enough to have rent and stuff, but it's never been the driver because I, I think it comes down to something that I've been trying to unpack myself. I think the reason that's true is because I think I'm gonna end up being all time. I just don't think I need it. And I think every time I take it, it just slows it down. So here's what I mean by that. If you're thinking super duper long time and long term, well then you have to, when you look at 
who you surround yourself with, what shows you're gonna do, what merch you put out, what's your next song's title, what project you're doing, who you're fucking with, what meetings you're taking, who you marry, how you roll. You look out of it in one perspective, which is when I'm 87, how the fuck am I gonna feel about this? And if you're that in tune with yourself, and I don't know if everybody is or isn't, I can't speak to that, but I can give you the answer to why I've gotten here and how I've gotten about doing it, which is, it's all long term. Boyd's long term for me. I poured a lot of dollars and energy and efforts into different fucking cockamanian things that Boyd and I, <laughs> Boyd, Boyd and I have come up with. It's not like he's my child and I'm, Boyd and I, but like because I always knew at a macro it was right. And so I just always think long term yeah. because I don't need anything short term. Right. And that's it. So like you need to start making decisions on you know, how you think about those two things. It's just legacy and currency. It's just money and how you feel. And everybody gives up how they feel for short-term money. Right. And then they try to reconstruct it later. The problem is everything's on the record. Yeah. We know Jay-Z did a Budweiser commercial. <laughs> that's it. Nice. So that's it, man. Like, and I think the key for me is I've never wavered from when nobody knew who I was to a lot more people now who know who I am. Just the same shit every day, forever. And I know forever. I love when people are like, oh, especially my closest friends and everybody now, like, man, it's getting so weird. Like, hope you don't change. I'm like, <laughs> like you haven't figured out what I'm doing here. So I think that's super simple. Mm-hmm. It, it just, you gotta figure out, you just need to know yourself. Now, by the way, some people want a car. Some people want to put their mom in a penthouse. Like. You're you, but understand this. Every time you pick the money, you're taking a couple of pebbles out of the legacy place. Right. The end. Hmm. But how do you reconcile that with short-term needs, like you said? I get it. Parents and... By, rec- by understanding the score. Just understand the score, like, just knowing that truth. I've taken it. I, I bought an apartment on the Upper East Side which made me less liquid, which didn't allow me to put as much money into Facebook and Uber and Twitter. I lost hundreds of millions of dollars because I needed a million dollars for an apartment. That was a mistake. Right? Like, right now I really want to help my family business so I'm pushing wine on my social media and I'm throwing right hooks. That's taking away. Because for the last 18 months I've had the luxury of just giving at scale. Just knowing the score. And I feel great about helping out my dad's business. At the expense of me losing people's attention because they don't want to hear about wine. Right. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. But you can afford that. Not everybody can afford that, right? I, I don't think so. I think, like, I can't afford it. I'm fucking pissed about giving up leverage. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. It's binary. I, I can afford it if you decide that I have dollars, but, like, but that's not what I'm trading for. Right. Shit, it's not even benefiting me. Right. So it's double fucking annoying. <laughs> you know, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're either giving or you're taking. Yeah. There's no in between. And I just try to give as much as possible. That's why, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people in this community, I know people are gonna watch this right now and everybody's yelling at me of like, you're giving the same advice of putting out music, too much music. I'm like, you don't get it. Like, putting out a song is giving. Mm-hmm. It's fucking free. 
this isn't how I grew up and you're putting out a fucking tape, double-sided two songs, and you want $4 <laughs> out of the back of your fucking, like, out of the back of your trunk? Right. This is you uploading shit to a streaming service that everybody's getting for fucking free. I mean, macro, $9, whatever, but like, free. Yeah. Yeah. And you're giving me three minutes of escapism and you may say something that inspires me to do something. And it may benefit you because you might be that one song away. Just like Logic finally had his song. Puts him in a totally different place. So, giving. That's what I do. I put out a song for free every day. It's called fucking Daily V. Like I don't have the same skills you have. I have my own version and it costs nothing. Like so when people are like, oh Gary V, you don't know the music business. I'm like, I know the attention business which trumps everything. And I'm doing my, I'm eating my own dog food. I'm getting high on my supply. I'm doing what I'm telling people to do. I'm putting out shit every day. Music every day. I believe in it the most. I will be proven to be right in 15 years when everyone's like, fuck, it was music every day. The problem is, are you good enough to put out music every day? Like plenty of people could be vlogging every day, nobody gives a fuck because they were worth three fucking days. But if you think you're worth fucking 365 days a year of songs, I would highly recommend that you and your crew here think long and hard of how to do that in a strategic way. Now you may say I have 81 songs a year or six, that's on you. But I would tell you as an artist, the number one advice I have for you and every single artist watching is figure out how many songs a year you have in you. Because once you figure that out, then you put your strategy around that and then you fucking win. Because if you're like, look, I got eight songs a year in me. Eight fucking songs. And everybody's gonna figure out how many bangers versus volume, like everybody's got, I understand what everyone's debating. If it's eight, well then go sign a fucking record deal and make the most money you can on eight. But if you've got 96 in you, you better fucking just build attention at scale and build the leverage. Bars. You know what I mean? Because that's what I'm doing. The reason not everybody can do what I'm doing in business and everybody wants to is they don't have as much content in them as I do. Yeah, right. Got it? That's the 2.0 of what I've been trying to say. I'm glad I finally said it, which is going to be good for you because a lot more people are going to watch this now that I finally, <laughs> now that I finally got off what I've been trying to say. That would be the number one strategy first. You know, people overthink projects, signing, not signing. Number one, binary, if you're an artist, how many great songs, good songs, songs can I put out a year? Right. And do I have the energy for it? And how do I do it? And can I afford it? And, can, and am I in it? And like, how do I do it? But that would be the biggest piece of advice. And then the first part of this meeting, man, legacy currency. When you ask, you're giving up leverage. When you're giving, you're gaining leverage. And balancing that with your audience is everything. That's why I'm loved because I'm fucking giving more than I'm taking. Right. I, don't, I think that's also just a Even story. A hundred percent, because we're used to not having anything. Yeah. My kids have no shot. They're used to having stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're used to having stuff, so like, the thought of not, like to me, people don't get it. I can go back to zero. I'm like Rocky in that sixth movie. Like, I'm good. I'll go right back to fucking Rego Park, live in a studio apartment, go to Wallbaums, and be good, dreaming up how I'm gonna come back and fucking rise like a phoenix, right? And be like, and read every fucking comment of like, I knew Gary Vee was a fraud, I knew he sucked, I knew he'd fall one day and just fucking eat that shit to motivate myself to get back up and come back and be like, I fucking told you. So like, to me, it's equally as interesting to go back to zero as it is to go to fucking hero, and that means you're, unde- you're unbeatable. That's why immigrants win. Because once you taste it, 
you don't want to go back because you're like, fuck, that sucked, this is better. But you're not completely petrified of it because you've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And you know how to get back, if, if not with better like, tools. A hundred percent, I've done it once, I can do it again. Which then allows you to take the risks, which then allows you to give. Because when you suck, you're taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and one, one thing to quickly add some context around what Gary was just talking about, like if you have eight songs a year and you, and you make your plan around it, like another thing, because Gary, like, well, one thing Gary always says, and I know you watch a bunch of Gary's stuff, so like when Gary talks about like attention and stuff, um, he just told A Boogie, for example, like, you know, if there's a song and it's not taken off and you want it to get hotter, like, why don't you go to the Bronx or why don't you tell your fans to meet you somewhere, or in your case, like, go to, like, somewhere in Queens or something and, like, create this content. Cause it, like, if you do, because one thing for you to know, Gary, is um, I was talking to Anik, and unlike a lot of these guys in Atlanta who just, like, live in the studio, he was telling me that he kind of just goes in the studio for, like, two weeks at a time when it's, like, crunch time, and he, or not crunch time, but when he's inspired to, like, create a project. So, like, get it. given that, knowledge it's almost like you guys create a lot of video content and a whole lot of other stuff like you don't as long as you're keeping people's attention it can still work you know like whatever number the song number you guys what? come down with boy see, other things you do yeah. boy seeing a boogie do that pop up the other day made me smile cheek to cheek <laughs> yeah that was insane that really worked for him no shit because when you get when you get, because I'm right about this stuff. If you give, you get. No, I, de- I definitely. When I saw that, I actually. I when we went to LA, I went for like really. It was like my first time because I stayed for like a while, yeah, like yeah. six days, and I didn't know like I knew I had fans, but the, the the show was already sold out before I got on the tour. Like and so I just did this pop up for my merch, and we just picked the place, and was like, yo, just come that entire shit. Like I couldn't stop moving. I get it, man. It's like, the best feeling this ever. Is, this is cool shit, and I. That, doing that, I feel like, and I've heard you say it before, like, that's the most important part to me, is like, 100%. talking to them personally and giving them something personally to have, they talk about that. Depth. All, everywhere. Depth. That shit spreads more than Everybody you. wants with. Everybody yeah. wants a million followers. I'll take a thousand <coughs> if every one of them does what I want them to do yeah. and gets what they want out of it. Yeah. It's 100%. And engagement isn't likes or shares. Engagement's going to shows, or wearing a menu on your shirt, or taking their time to tell their friends like you need to listen to this person's stuff. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. I think you need to give, now that Boy just put that context in the studio, I'm telling you right now, brother, please think about how many songs you have in you. Yeah. And you may, it may not come easy, like you maybe have never thought of it. Like, yeah. You need to go inside yourself and figure that out. Right. Once you have that figured out, I'm telling you that's the new blueprint. Okay. Once you understand that, then you could, because there's a lot, of, everybody's doing the same shit. Mm-hmm. Everybody put out fucking albums. Mm-hmm. Then every, everybody put out 45s back in the day. Then everybody put out albums. Now everybody's putting out music on the internet, mixtapes, projects, right? <laughs> I'm like, look, if you have 150 songs in you, mm-hmm. not everyone can be in your next project. Then take 13 of them and give them to the biggest bloggers on YouTube. Be like, yo, I made this for you, Paul Brothers. Here. Right. Like if you, that's your ammo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and overthinking the distribution to fit the box that everybody's doing is the way not to do it. Mm-hmm. Like somebody here needs to email every video game company and be like, we have a great artist, we have fucking real fucking beats fire, like we'll give them to you, just put them in the pre-roll of the game or anywhere else people's attention is. Mm-hmm. Hit up a fucking college that has a big radio station and be like, 
Duke University, we're giving this to you. Like opening lines like, yo Duke, what up, go. Like, you. Yeah. Cause you have that song in you. Right. And what, are you gonna sit and scrutinize it and cut it from the project at the end? So what, it's gonna sit in fucking somebody's hard drive? Right. The fuck? Yeah. Wanna speak to that a little bit? Please. So we have, obviously there's a cultural angle to what we do and you know, there's, there's that whole. Yes. Execution. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Right. Take every, fu- back to legacy versus currency. Right. Mm-hmm. I built Wine Library to big business because when I built it from a three, I'm looking at the plaque with me and my dad, because when it went from three to 45, it went three to 45 because much like every other liquor store in New Jersey owned by Indian families, <laughs> who are all my, who are all, dude, my relationship with the Indian community is crazy. I, Edison, New Jersey literally in 1986 is where everybody came, Islin and Edison. My dad owns the only building in Islin not owned by an Indian American. <laughs> the only one. He recorded the project in Edison. Uh, I mean, First of all, I didn't know Indian people so oh, dude, it's crazy. Yes, you must have been like, what? <laughs> dude, it's, it's, it's India when you get in there, really. Like miles of Indian businesses. And it's crazy. Like, is this like crazy. utopia of India? Is this you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, I know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm the immigrant in Edison, New Jersey from 82 to 86 in Edison because I'm the Russian kid. <laughs> and then one summer goes by and we go into fifth grade, 82, three, four, five. In 1986, four new kids in my class have the last name Patel. Seven of them are from India and I'm pumped because I'm like, okay, good, new immigrants, right? <laughs> what I didn't know was they were really gonna be my homies because these kids were like me. They were here to fucking sell shit, flip baseball cards, make money, like grind. So it went from first I liked it because I wasn't gonna be the odd man out. Then I was like, wait a minute, these are my homies. So then that's my first chapter. Then I go into the liquor business in 1998. From 1992 to 19, to 2015, all of New Jersey's liquor stores, 80% of them were bought by Indian American immigrants. The whole industry is owned, like, cause they're hustlers and they made, they made their thing. Cool, that's cool, now I'm there. Then I go into tech <laughs> and start meeting all these developers and they're all, like, so yeah, I've always had a, I've always had a pretty amazing uh, relationship with the community um, because, it's, because, I'm, because I'm built like that community. And, I, and listen, I think a lot about the hip hop, African American community, so it's just the same shit, which is when you don't have anything and you're willing to work. Yeah, man. The way you leverage it is, first of all, the, you don't have to do anything because the truth always wins. Mm-hmm. You're part of it. Yeah. It's naturally gonna come to you. You wanna speed it up? There's a very easy way. Called Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. My biggest, I think that's my biggest gift. Even though, like, while I was going through it, I didn't think so. Like, even though, like, obviously, I'm I'm an immigrant, but even more than that, like, I grew up in lower income apartments, so I wasn't around Bengalis, right? So I was I was around African Americans and Hispanics. And that's how you ended up here, right? Because I understand the perspective of what they're coming from, but I also still know my heritage and what I'm doing. And it's just that balance of both of it. It's such a home run. <laughs> I wish I never left Queens. I mean it. You come back, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy? I got real lucky. We moved to basically a very lower middle class white neighborhood for my high school. Like, it's crazy. Like, I'd never been around wealth my whole life. Right. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. People ask me, why are you so close to your family? It's because I never asked you. 
I get it. A hundred percent, man. I'm the same way. I get it. You need to t- tell your true stories, man. They're universal. Yeah. It's not Indian or Russian or yeah. black or it's universal. These stories are universal. It's just the same stories with a different coat of paint. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's there's only two stories. The haves and the have nots. Mm-hmm. That's it. You gotta figure out how much music you have in you, man. That's yeah. the best piece of advice I can give you. Okay. That will help you because because if you ha- and I don't know, maybe you know, like again, I I'm definitely impre- I don't I'm definitely not the 65 songs yet. I know that about myself. You know what? So. That's great. Yeah. Even though my vibes go towards the 365 songs, <laughs> like the mazel. Like yeah. if it's fucking 16, you could be so smart then. Yeah. That gets into your team getting together. Like honestly, even like just this team, I think that's helpful. I don't know how much pressure you guys have put on this conversation, but if I know that you're saying it's 12, you guys need to take a real step back and be like, okay, we need to strategize around projects in a different, if you can launch four projects a year, or, or once a week songs, versus having one project a year, you have a totally different fucking 365 days. Yeah, that's what we just, we just actually, I don't know if you heard the Indian streaming company, Sabin. I'm sorry? The Indian streaming service company, Sabin. I'm aware. Well, so because we, you know, we, I know that I don't make like music like that, and I still want to like push kites in like the project, we're like partnering with them to figure out like more video content and more things. 100%. Like, you know, like do together. Do you write? Yeah. How like often? Write it down. Yeah, like how do you do? How do you do? You write your music? Yeah, I write all my music. Good. I, I how do you write? Like you, when you I'm f- driving. Like right. So it's there, and all. then you just go improv. And then I go into the studio. And Spit then, it from the dome. Well, I'll write in the studio as well, just in my head. Or like I, I still think nobody's figured out. I think somebody needs to be documenting the entire writing process. Oh right! Wow, that'd be really cool. If if I could see how the 15 songs that I love the most origin stories. Why do you think comic books win? Comic books win, I got some, like, they win because we know Spider-Man got bit by a fucking spider. Like, we're like, oh shit. You know, like, origin stories, I think, are a missing thing. Like, if I was like, oh my God, my favorite hook that you ever came up with was because you tripped on the, like, going to Burger King and you're like, damn, skin knees, skin knees. Like, like I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talk about that all the time. Well, okay, so that's actually, because then I want to talk about that then. Because like, we have all these great content ideas, but then I feel that because this media industry is so consumed by content that they want to make their own, I feel like sometimes we're debilitated because we have to wait until someone says, like, Okay, cool, we'll do that rather than just putting it out on Apple. Yeah, I don't, look, I get the complex XSL, like, like, I get it, but I didn't wait for Wall Street Journal or Fortune or Forbes to put me on. You have something called YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. You just need, right now, the fact that you have fans, somebody will work for free to be Tyler, follow you around with the camera, he's 17 years old, he loves your music the most in the world, he's got nothing else going on, and he's gonna follow you around for free, mm-hmm. and that's that. We're literally interviewing you <laughs> in three hours. That's it, that's it, that's the game. I got something for you, man, let me Please. get it now. So, I can't wait to follows. listen, man. Thank you. I love it. I'm gonna rock them. You know what though? Because I really want to rock them. Can somebody send me mediums? Because I won't wear these larges. Oh no, they're 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 fit. Tight. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Great. Yeah. And I'll yeah. then I will 100% rock them. They're, they'll fit better large than they will. They'll be perfect. Hugged up. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. I need to run because I got my dad's charity wine event. Absolutely. But I love to take some photos. Yeah. Yeah. Put you cool. on a little bit. That'd be awesome. Man. How, what's going on on your Instagram? 
How's it uh, going? It's. Uh, what is your Instagram? Let me follow you. Anik Khan, A N I K K H A N. A N I K. K H A N. It's one word. Yep. Underscore at the end. I see it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Followed. You need to post way more often. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> look, I know, look, so I'm on, I'm on the, uh, the thing every day. What do you call Time that? Time to go. Uh, the story every day. My phone just broke. So. Every day. Okay. Every day. The biggest thing, I'm gonna tell you, and I can feel already, if you're precious, you'll lose. Right. Damn, okay. Dude, I told you the first time we ever met about music. I'm gonna yeah. fight you when we get outside, Louis. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I get it, Yeah. but I'm telling you with all my heart, yeah. I want you to win. If you're precious, you lose. Okay. The amount of real talents that are losing out of preciousness, and then it's over. Right. Yeah. Cool. It makes a lot of sense. Let's take a good photo. Got it. And then that'll be, that'll be content. For, uh-huh, for I'll put it up too. Yeah. Lev, take a quick photo because I want to give him some love. Or somebody. I got it. You got it? Perfect. Right here. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this. Pass it on. Let me know what you thought.